Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from June 13th by Pastor Randy, titled, Teach Us to Pray, Part 5. All right, so we're in a series on the Lord's Prayer. And that is something that's really needed. Because in so many ways, our Christian culture has got it wrong on prayer. We're like the guy who showed up one day with a couple dozen Krispy Kreme donuts at work. Co-worker says, look, I'm glad you brought the donuts, but I thought you were on a diet. You wasn't going to get donuts anymore. He says, yeah, that's true, but I passed by a donut shop on my way to work every day, and I thought maybe God wants me to get some donuts. So I said, God, if you want me to get donuts, let there be a parking place right there in front of the donut shop. And sure enough, the sixth time around, there it was. And that's how a lot of us do prayer. Most of our prayers are informing God of what we want, informing God of our needs, our wishes. God bless me, help me, God, here's my list. Hello, Jimmy, this is what I want you to give me. That's our approach to prayer. And so many times when people have that approach approach to prayer, they will wind up getting disillusioned with God, especially when he doesn't answer those prayers. They'll get disillusioned and they'll think, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God doesn't answer prayer, or maybe even God isn't real. Another way we have it wrong on prayer is that people will use prayer like a good luck charm before a test or before some challenge at work. Another way that we have it wrong on prayer is that people, by their prayers, it shows they just view God as a conscious reliever or as a lifeguard. God, forgive me or rescue me. People don't pray to be surrendered to God. They pray because They weren't surrendered to God, so they need forgiveness and rescuing. And one of the big things that show the people have it wrong on prayer is that whenever they hear a sermon about prayer, they feel guilty and think, I just need to pray more. Well, if all you feel is guilt, if that's all you feel, then you're thinking, well, God's losing out because I'm not praying more, so I need to pray more. But the fact is, you're the one that's losing out. Because you're not praying and your prayers, are, they're just sort of, they're just all the wrong way. They're, they're not there. So here's what I want you to understand. First thing about prayer. The reason our prayers have become so self-centered is because our faith has become so self-centered. See, all through the Gospels, Jesus gives the invitation to follow him or be led by me. And somewhere along the line, a couple of decades ago, or maybe even further back than that, we changed that from following Jesus to just believe in him. Doesn't cost me anything to believe in him. In fact, it doesn't really change anything about my life just to believe in him. There's no challenge involved just to believe in him. Here's what I want you to understand. You can be a believer and not be a follower. Do you get that? Our culture is full of people like that. They believe, they claim to believe, but they're not being led by Jesus at all. And the way that's revealed is through our prayers. Because our prayers are nothing about, God, lead me, I want to follow you. Our prayers are all about, Lord, here's what I want you to do for me. So disciples realize this. So they got together Because they were overcome with this idea that when we pray, we must be doing it wrong. Because if Jesus is praying right, we are obviously doing it wrong. So we need to learn how to pray. So they got together, got a spokesman to go ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Which you've never done, have you? 
You never ask anybody to teach you how to pray. Why? Because our prayers are self-centered and we don't need any help at all being self-centered. We know how to do that. We've been doing it all our lives. So it's really easy for us to be self-centered in prayer. So we're like, we don't need any help because that's how we view prayer. That's something that's so self-centered just for us. What we want. What we need. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to teach you about prayer. But the first thing you need to know, here's some things that you're doing wrong. First of all, he says, prayer is just not about giving God a list. Then he says, prayer is, is, is not about being concerned about what others are going to think when you're praying. And, and prayer, prayer is not meaningless repetition. And then here's what he focuses on. Then he says, okay, this is how you should pray. And here's where we need to, to, to concentrate, to focus on. The first thing he says is our Father. Whoa, there's a whole new relationship going on here. Like this verse in 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are! Exclamation point! In other words, it blows my mind to think I'm a child of God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I'm a child or daughter of a loving heavenly father. And then Jesus goes on. He says, our father in heaven. Meaning God, you're up there. You're above. You're in charge. You are in charge of everything. You created the universe. God, you're over it all. Big, big God. Little bitty me. Does your prayer life come into focus when you think about that? And then he says next, your name be honored as holy. Or as we learned it in the King James, hallowed be your name. Or, or God, faithful is your name. Unfailing is your name. Uh, Lord, just, just kindness, just greatness, just love is your name. Father, it's all about you. Father, I came here because I had some requests. I had something on my heart that I wanted to bring to you. But I've gotten so lost in just praise because of who you are that I just can't go anywhere else. I would suggest that when you understand who you're talking to, it changes your whole perspective. And now all of a sudden, here's my list is not that important anymore. <clears throat> now, I would suggest that most of us, we don't spend much time here. Most of our prayers are, God, thank you for this day. Here's my list. So, when we understand our God is a good, loving, heavenly Father, when we understand that he's in heaven, he's, he's above and over everything, he's in control of it all, he spoke and it all came into being, when we understand that he's holy and has to be treated that way, then what other response could we have but to say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. My kingdom's over. It's not about me. It's not about my will. Father, it's all about you. And when you have that perspective, when you understand that it's not about your kingdom and your will anymore, all about his, you can be going through anything, going through anything in life and have a peace about it. You can be like Paul and Silas in jail at midnight in stocks and bonds, but still singing praise to God because God's not about us. It's not about our kingdom. It's not about what we want. It's all about you. 
Then what Jesus does, he gives us three things to pray about that we face every day, that we need to remember every day. The first one is this, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, God, I'm dependent upon you. Just as the Israelites crawled out of their tent every morning and picked up their bread off the ground for that day, even though I have an abundance, I'm just as dependent upon you as they were. And because I'm dependent upon you, I'm not going to worry. See, you cannot declare your dependence upon God and worry. Well, let me take that back. You can declare your dependence upon God and still worry about stuff, but that would make you a... Anybody? Yeah, it starts with an H, ends with hypocrite. Yeah, hypocrite, Right? And next, just what Jesus says, forgive us our debts and we also forgive our debtors. God, just as you've forgiven me, that forgiveness that you give me is going to flow through to other people. Because if you're not willing to forgive those who sinned against you, guess what? You're declaring it's about your kingdom, not God's. God's about my kingdom. And in my kingdom, I stay angry. I get bitter at those people who hurt me. I've got some people who hurt me so bad, I'm never going to forgive them. That's how it's going to be in my kingdom. And so you're just declaring it's all about your kingdom. You can't bathe in God's forgiveness every day and not have that flow through you to other people. I guess I need to correct myself again. You can bathe in God's forgiveness and not forgive other people, but that would make you a... Oh, you had your coffee this morning. Some of you are awake. Make you a hypocrite. And then he says this, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Have you ever prayed this? Have you ever prayed it? Let me ask this. Have you ever prayed it with a clean conscience? Because you can't be planning on evil and also pray, God, deliver me from evil. Well, again, I guess you can do that, but that would make you a hypocrite. Jesus knew what it was like to be led into temptation. Here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. In every way. Not just those three that's mentioned in Matthew chapter 4. In every way as we are. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Do you need mercy and grace to help you during time of temptation? Yes. But so many times what we want to do is we want to play the temptation game. Or if you want to call it the sin game or, or whatever you want to call it. God, I'm going to sin and you need just to forgive me. So we sin, God give forgiveness. Sin, give forgiveness. Sin, give forgiveness. Sin, give All you do is get used to sinning. Or if you want to call it sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. You just keep confessing and ask for forgiveness for the same sin. You're just getting used to sinning. You're making God like somebody that can be manipulated. God, I'm going to sin, but you have to forgive me because that's what you do, right? A God that can be manipulated like that is not a God to worship. And our God cannot be manipulated like that. Sin is much too serious. It costs him too much to play the sin forgiveness game. 
It's not going to work. So he says, deliver me from the evil one. Now, deliver means to be rescued from danger. That's what deliver means. The reason we lead, our, reason we lead ourselves into temptation is because we don't think temptation is that dangerous. Or we will lead ourselves into temptation and pray God to help us deal with the consequences. Or what's even more popular today, we'll lead ourselves into temptation and blame God for the consequences. That's what a lot of people will do. Here's what I want you to realize. Embracing surrender is the opposite to being led into temptation. See, the path that leads you out of temptation is not discipline, although it involves discipline. The path that leads you out of temptation is not self-control, although it involves self-control. The path that leads you out of temptation is, is a faith that leads to surrender. Leads you to completely surrender to God. Because a faith that does not lead you into surrender, that's just going to lead you to worry. A faith that does not lead you to surrender, that's just going to lead you to anger and bitterness when people hurt you. A faith that does not lead to surrender, that's just going to lead to temptation just overcoming your life and you giving it to the same sin over and over and over and over again. A faith that does not lead to surrender, Jesus says it's completely useless. In fact, a few paragraphs later, he puts it this way. He says, a faith that does not lead to surrender is like a, a, a man that builds his house on the sand. And the storms come, the rains come, the winds come, and his house collapses. And right when it's about to collapse, he goes, now I want to surrender. Well, it's too late now. So here we have this. Well, we stopped going. All right. Okay. <clears throat> it's bad when a sound man leaves right in the middle of what you're doing, right? All right. Prayer, prayer, surrender, and then you'll have the promise that you won't be led to temptation, but be delivered from it. So you, you can't, let me put, well, I won't say you can't again. When you pray, Deliver me from evil. Father, don't bring me or lead me into temptation, but deliver me. Father, lead me that, that you want to be led is what you're implying when you pray that. Father, I want to be led out of this. And that's the question. Do you? Do you really want to be led out of this? Because that's when you need to understand that's where life is found. When God leads you out of it. You're discovering the, the life that he wants us to have. So lead assumes that you decide to follow and that's what you have to ask yourself, is that. So what do you have to show for all the temptation that you said yes to? Maybe that's a different way to look at it. What have you to show for all the temptation that you said yes to? It's led you to a loss of something, right? Maybe to a loss of joy. Maybe to a loss of of. Of physical health, it can it can it can affect you that way. Maybe it's it's caused a uh, a loss of of freedom, or maybe now you're just keeping secrets. You can't be honest. So this next thing, giving into temptation, is a doorway to loss. Choosing to follow Jesus' doorway to life and love. That's what Jesus wants us to realize every day. 
Because see, every day we're going to face the, the, the idea to think we can do it ourselves and we don't have to depend upon him. Every day we're going to either sin ourselves or have other people sin against us and we need to have that forgiveness wash over us and through us. And every day we're going to face temptation. And if we don't surrender... If we don't know how to go through temptation, we're going to have difficulties. Sin is just going to, put a, it's going to start in your life and it's going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to take over a portion of your life. And here's the last part that Jesus prays and deliver us from the evil one. If you want to live under the reign of God, you're going to have to realize you're going to live in a battle. You're going to be attacked. It's just going to happen. And what I want you to understand stand with this, understand with this, is that the Lord's prayer is reminding us that there is an invisible world that has an impact and an influence on this visible world. In other words, you may not see the bullet, but the blood is real. That in this world we're, we're not battling against some evil force, but an evil personality, a person. Every New Testament writer mentions the devil. Jesus, over 25 times, he talks either it's the devil or Satan or the evil one or the enemy. We have this battle that we're in. And a lot of times, you heard the term prayer warrior, right? And I know what we mean by that, but, but sometimes what's inferred is that some people are prayer warriors and some people aren't. But the truth is, we're in war, and we all had better be at war in prayer. We all had better be prayer warriors, because there's, there's a war that, that, that is going on. So, let's sum this up, because we've been in this for five or six weeks now, and we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer just from different aspects for the next week or two, but, but let's sum this Lord's Prayer up, okay? So, let's, let's start from the beginning and go through it. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's it. That's the end. A couple of weeks ago when we had that race on who could say the Lord's Prayer the fastest, I thought, got some insider information here because I can just stop right there and that gives me an extra advantage. That gives me one sentence advantage. I could have beat David over there. Now I know what we have in our King James and other versions. You have that big finale. For yours or thine, whatever verse you have is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That never shows up in our earliest manuscripts. The ones we have from the second century up to the beginning of the third century, it's not there. That only shows up in the manuscripts from the third and fourth century that we have. So we know it wasn't there. It was added on later in that, which is okay. That's fine. It just means how picky we are about what we have as scripture. But, but it's also, it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing to say anyway, right? For yours is the kingdom, not mine. Yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. So that's number one in summing this up. Jesus just stops right there. Number two, when he gave us this prayer, it wasn't so we would frame it and put it on our walls and repeat it back to him every day. 
Jesus does not say this is what you should pray. He says this is how you should pray. Big difference. So he's not giving us something that we just sit back and repeat every day. He's giving us something that we need to go, as we talked about last week. We need to go through this, and sometimes we're going to be a while. We're going to get to that part just for our Father, and it's going to take us a while to realize God's a good, loving, healing Father. He has my best interests at heart. He loves me deeper than I could ever imagine. Sometimes you can just say that and think about it and just go on. Sometimes it may take you several minutes to move on. Or that part who art in heaven. It may take you a while to move on from that. God, you're in control. God, you're over everything. Nothing happens without you being aware of it. And, and, and without you being, nothing's impossible with you. As Abraham uh, came to realize, God, you can create out of nothing and you can raise the dead. It's all about what you can do. So it's not something we hang on a wall. The third thing I want you to, to take away from this is that Jesus teaches us how to pray, not as individuals, but as a church. Please get this. As a church, every pronoun in the Lord's Prayer is plural. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Deliver us. It even begins with our Father. See, the first thing Jesus wants to know is about prayer is that we're not as only kids, that discipleship is a team sport. Sociologist Robert Putman, he, he studied for over 50 years what is the, 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 the one thing that, that brings about fulfillment and happiness in people's lives. He, what he was looking for was what brings the highest degree of satisfaction in people. And he studied this in cultures all over the world. And he said, one thing sticks out. There is one factor that determined the degree of a person's satisfaction in their life. And that one factor was the depth and the breadth of their connections. And this is what he concluded. He said, he said this, if you have a person who does, who's not in community, who's not connected to other people, and they get into community, their chances of dying in the next year are cut in half. And that's why when we begin our small, when we start restarting our small groups this fall, our motto is going to be join a small group or die. I want to say it cuts the group in half, in half for the next year. I didn't add that part. It cuts their chance of dying in half for the next year in, in half. Discipleship's a team sport. This isn't a church thing. This is a Jesus thing. Jesus taught us this is how we are to live. We're to do it in community with one another. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's why you never see a lion running into the middle of a pack to attack. No, he always gets a straggler. He always gets the one that sort of is away from everybody else. Satan goes after the, the Christian who's isolated from the rest of the body. We are to do this together. And that should be reflected in our prayers. Look at this, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again while you join in helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that has come to us through the prayers of many. 
He's just saying, look, we're in this together, and the way we're in this together is reflected in our prayers. We don't think that way, though, do we? We try and keep things sort of individual a lot of times. Oh, they don't need my prayer. I don't need to, they don't have to have my prayers or, or about, it's not about us coming and praying together about this. The fourth thing, this is where life change happen. This is where it becomes personal. Is in this Lord's prayer. Because see, here's what happens to so many people. You hear the story a lot. You know, they're, they're in church, then they go off the, the, the uh, get, graduate high school or go off to college or something like that, and their prayer becomes this way. Their prayer becomes, Father, my kingdom come and my will be done because I don't care anything about heaven. And give me this day everything I want and everything I can fit into my bank account. And don't worry about leading me not to temptation. I can find it all by myself. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of people declare it's all about me and my kingdom. But then when life falls apart, then they want to go, okay, Lord, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to do it your way. Or you can be like me. You get 19, you go, God, I surrender everything to you. And God goes, everything? All you got is an eight-track player and some bad clothes. You know, what do you have? God, I give all my, my future to you. And God's going, you didn't have any plans anyway. But then you get older. And things are a little bit different. Does it scare you? Does it scare you to say, God... I'm surrendering everything to you. It's not about my kingdom, but about yours. Does it scare you? It should, and it's good if it does, because that means you're taking it seriously. You're you're, you're trying to, to cross over from it being about your kingdom and your will to his kingdom and his will. That's not easy, especially in our culture. A lot of times we just stay so self centered. We think it's all about us. And people who live their life self-centered think it's all about them. When they get older, they don't like themselves. Nobody else likes them either. And besides, think of it this way. God can take everything from you anytime he wants. The fact that he doesn't shows that not only does he love you and have mercy toward you, but he wants not your stuff, he wants your heart. So here's what I want you to realize. Prayer is not about getting stuff, but connecting to someone. See, you should walk away from your prayer time thinking, I have a personal relationship with God. I've connected to him. That's the bottom line. When it comes to prayer, you should walk away from it thinking, oh, me and God, we just commune together. I just spent time with my heavenly father. And the second, the second thing is the bottom line, to, or number five, whichever outline I'm going by right now. I'm not sure which one. But anyway, every day we need to recenter our lives around who God is, and it begins with the right prayer. Every day. So let me ask you this. Would you be willing to, every day for the next 30 days, use this as a model to pray? God, you're my heavenly father. 
You love me with an everlasting love. And God, you're in control. You're, you're over everything. You're omnipotent. You're omniscient. Father, it's, it's all about you. And you're holy. Nothing, nobody, nothing else is like you, Father. You're holy. And you should be treated as holy. And so, God, I'm surrendering to your kingdom and your will today. Whatever you want done in my life. And I want to declare my dependence upon you. For everything I have today, Father, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for you. And so I'm going to declare my dependence upon you. I'm not going to worry. And I'm going to, to just revel in your forgiveness today, Father. I'm just going to bathe in your forgiveness because you forgive me of all my sins. Father, they're all forgiven. And so I'm going to revel and bathe in that. And I'm also going to forgive others. In fact, Father, it's a privilege for me to be able to forgive others just like you've forgiven me. Because that makes me like you. and Oh, I just want to be like you. Father, that makes me concentrate on your kingdom and I want to be a part of your kingdom. And Father, I want a faith that's surrendered to you because I don't want to, to be encaptured by temptation. I want to be delivered by the evil one. Now, could you pray that? Then after you pray that, pray anything else that's on your heart. Anything else. Because we're invited to bring all that stuff to him. So after you pray that, anything else that's on your heart, you pray. Now, could you do that for the next 30 days? If you do, you'll be so glad you did. It'll be like buying Amazon stock 20 years ago. You'll be so glad you did. Because it can change your life. If you're willing to do that. And then maybe we can become a Christian culture that changes this around. And we begin to get things right. We begin to reconnect with him because now we're praying right. We're praying the way Jesus said, this is how you should pray. This can change your life. It can change your life. It can be the catalyst to bring about revival in you personally. And we've been through several of those things lately because that's what we've been focusing on. Getting into the Word of God, that can change your life. And some of you have talked about how you've been in God's Word every day and how it's changed your life. Now, some of you can begin praying correctly and how that, be the, that can be the tool through which God comes and begins to change your whole life, change your whole perspective. And before you know it, things can be so different in your life, in our church, and in our community. So you can keep praying self-centered prayers. You can keep praying just to inform God of everything you want and you need and that you'd like for him to do. Or you can begin praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Then after that, just share whatever's on your heart that you want to pray about. Are you willing to do that? That's the question. So Jesus asked us to follow him. To be connected to him. And we can do that through prayer. So you have an opportunity to walk away, to walk away out of here connected to him. Maybe you begin for the first time just to say, God, I'm surrendering it all through you. It's not about me, it's about you. And that can be the first thing. Or maybe you've never committed your life to Christ and you can do that today. And you can walk out of here 
knowing you have a relationship with him. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.